Hey everyone, it's your host, Emily Fang for the Asian Female Lead Podcast. I know Stephanie from work, and our two lives really ran in parallel last year. Her and I are basically kindred and adventurous spirits as we both left our cities in pursuit of a huge life change. She's currently a tech reporter based in Yangon, Myanmar, covering startups and technology in emerging markets, including Myanmar, Cambodia, Vietnam, and Thailand. She's originally from Hong Kong, but she decided to stay in Myanmar when the COVID-19 pandemic set, and she's been there ever since. We chat, frankly, about going against Chinese traditional norms, our unconventional thinkings, and what it means to be boldly free. Please note, this interview was done on January 23rd before the military coup in Myanmar. Welcome, Stephanie, to the Asian Female Lead Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very happy to be in this podcast as well, actually, because um, there are many questions that you raise. They are very interesting. Uh, I'd love to answer them. Yeah, it's funny because I think from a work context, I only know a little bit about you, actually, right? Like, I know that you're from Hong Kong, <laughs> and then now you're in uh, Myanmar. So that story hasn't been really discussed or told to me. So I think we can mm-hmm. start from there. Uh, maybe talk about what brought you to Myanmar. And I think from what I've heard, you decided to stay there. It wasn't like planned. Uh, yeah, I would say serendipity is the main reason. Actually, I just graduated in December 2019. And then at that time, or even way before that, um, I have that I had this idea of staying and working in Southeast Asia. Well, there are several reasons. First, I feel like Hong Kong is too fast paced and it's very commercial. There are a lot of times that I feel like I cannot breathe in my home, mm-hmm. uh, home city. Mm-hmm. And I also... Um, joined an internship in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, like um, last summer, I think. And then all these stories combined together, I, I just have this idea. It's like, okay, I need to go to Southeast Asia. But then which uh, country, right? So I've been to Vietnam, Thailand, of course. Everybody loves to travel to Bangkok, right? Yeah. But then Myanmar is always so mysterious. And from what we can see on the newspaper, it's a conflict-ridden country that people always talk about democracy, um, how the economic development, but there are not many stories that actually discover the culture here, the people here, like the language here, the nature, like a lot of other things. These are the things that we won't probably, we won't normally see in the media or just, you know, in, uh, yeah, yeah, in media. So I'm like, why not try, just try to apply for a job in Myanmar? And then I did actually, well, I wasn't having so many hope because I was just a fresh graduate, like who cares? <laughs> but then thankfully I got an um, internship at a local um, digital media or uh, bilingual newspaper, I would say. I started with actually an unpaid internship and then I came here in January uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, that's how my journey in Myanmar started. In March, while well, when the internship was finished, then um, I have to think about okay, where should I go next? Should I go home? Because mm-hmm. at that time, um, the coronavirus outbreak was happening in Myanmar. There are like so many people, especially like foreigners, they left the country, oh. and 
so I had that idea, like, should I stay or not? Because I don't have a job at that time. Like, I cannot literally or financially support myself. And also, many of my friends told me, oh, yeah, uh, like, it's the last flight to go back home. Like, are you going to join us? Something like oh, that. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't, the end of the world or whatever. But now I think about it, I'm really um, happy that I didn't leave mm-hmm. because if I leave, actually, I may not get a job at AirAsia. I may not write some other stories about this country later on. So, yeah, it's, it's very serendipitous, you know, like sometimes you just made a lot of choice in your life that you don't, not you're not thinking anything about. You're just like, okay, maybe I should stay. But what's next? I don't know. Let's wait and see if there's any good things happen. And then, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my story. It's very yeah. random, actually. <laughs> no, it's awesome, though. I feel like everything kind of just pulled together in, in the best way possible right and I think I can only imagine how terrifying it would have been at that time when your friends were asking you like hey are you going on this last flight or not and then you're just kind of like but I want to stay here and then you did I want to stay so it was funny because I was having this dinner with one Hong Kong friend of mine it's literally like the last dinner because she literally told me oh I'm just leaving like tomorrow um oh, wow. and I'm like oh what <laughs> tomorrow and then She's like, yeah, maybe you should join me. And I'm like, wow, that's, I don't know. Just, yeah, I just stay eventually. So it's interesting. Yeah. Was there fear about staying, like in terms of like healthcare or like uh, economic reasons? And like, what did your parents and your, did your extended family think about this? Actually, my family, especially my mom, she always, she has always wanted me to, to come back to home. Mm-hmm. Even for now, even I get a job, I'm financially stable here. She's still having this kind of stereotype of, oh, Myanmar is dangerous. I mean, it's always good to be at home, right? Like, you know, everything, you have all this entertainment in big city, international big city. There are so many things to do, but why would you go to a place that is not as developed as your home city? I think that's one point that my mom and my family, they couldn't really understand. I guess like for you, have you always been this adventurous and making decisions that the average person <laughs> wouldn't make, right? Like, I think I'd love to explore that. What's your philosophy on life and like taking charge of your of making these kind of big decisions? Yeah, it was really funny that you brought it up because my mom and literally uh, most of my family members, they um, they went to Hong Kong before 1997. So they, most of them, they come from China and they traditionally, they are very conservative. And, you know, even my grandma, I just called my mom two days ago. She literally told my mom that she wants to introduce me a guy who is actually working for the government. Like, like, nice. What? Uh-huh. You know, and then my grandma was like, oh my God, just ask your daughter to come home. Like this kind of conversation always happen when, when, whenever I talk to my family. Yeah. But little did my grandma know that like I have always wanted to go out. Like I always have this adventurous spirit. Mm-hmm. But back when I was in primary school, my family is not that, you know, like they can't really support me financially to, to travel, to study abroad, to, mm-hmm. to go wherever I like. And when I enter um, high school, I got a lot of like scholarship to actually travel to a lot of places, uh, but mainly in Asia. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in university, um, 
I got um, several scholarships from the government that they sponsored me to have a, a um, you know, exchange mm-hmm. in Sweden. I think that trip was, that exchange was really、um, life-changing, not because of, not because of, you know, I can't go out, but it's more like how I get to embrace another country, just live there for six months. Seven months, and you know, just to live by my own, to be respo- responsible for every choice I make in my life. And of course, like Sweden is a really、um, interesting country because they always proud of how democratic they are. You know, it's totally different different values compared to、uh, you know, like、uh, Asian countries or China,、um, you know, Bangkok, Thailand, whatever. So they're having a very different value system. So a lot of like cultural shock in Sweden, but I have also have a lot of inspiration of I can actually take charge of my life, take charge of my own of life decisions. I can make much more than what my parents or what my society expect me to be. You know, always stay home,、um, marry a good husband. Well, it sounds、uh-huh. weird to actually like bring it up, but it actually. Happens, even though people will be like, "Oh, well, Hong Kong, you know, like big city, you know, women actually can work for really well-paid job already. Like, why do you care about this?" But it's still actually a, a, a big thing, at least in my family. So it's that trip that changed me a lot, and now、um, it brought me to Myanmar, and I'm also have that idea of like exploring some more other places that nobody would have thought of. That's incredible, and I do, I completely agree. With you on that fact, that it's great to see the world outside of the bubble, like any bubble. Because I think, and at some point in our lives, we all grow up in some sort of bubble. And going outside, it shows you that there are so many different ways to live your life. Like we don't always have to follow this trajectory that. We think we have to right get married at a certain age, have children at a certain age. I don't know. Even for me, like I don't even want I don't want kids, and people are shocked, right? They're like, you don't want kids? So, <laughs> I'm like, I have、no. this. I have the exact same experience. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you've done is really take life like in control, and you're like, I like you know, though your parents couldn't like fund you to travel, like you're like, you know what? Then I'm gonna find scholarships, and I'm gonna figure out how to do that. And I think that's a very proactive, like assertive, like way of thinking, and it's brought you very far. So,、mm. yeah, it's incredible. But I think there's like one big, I would say, like a small difficulty that I have always encountered is like the clash of different values. Because growing up in a really traditional Chinese society, there are certain like、um, Confucius values that. You know, we are being taught at school like these are the virtues, these are the things that well, it's not like we should follow, but that's what the base of our culture, right?、Mm-hmm. For example,、um, like I told my cousin in China that I I don't want to get married first of all, and I don't want to have children.、Yeah. I think marriage is really meaningless, <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was so shocked. You know, he was like, "You are so selfish." I'm like, "Whoa, <laughs> what sense, right?"、Huh? So, but when you Tell this to you know your friends from Western countries. They don't think it's a big deal. So I always have this clash of like two value system,、um, and I'm trying always trying to find a middle ground of always moderating a lot of different cultures, even Myanmar cultures as well, and trying to find a middle ground that I feel most comfortable at. At the same time, I wouldn't offend anybody. Just live my life and also like respecting other people's culture. I think that's one thing that is not that easy. Actually, even for me, like because I grew up in a more Western culture, so I have individualistic tendencies. And then coming into Asia, I'm like, oh, like there are a lot of things I've. 
been bumping into and I'm like oh am I also being selfish right like I was like <laughs> because Asian culture yeah Asian is like more like for your community like you do what's best for right how do you navigate it then like because you right you're in Myanmar uh, you had you know you grew up in Hong Kong uh, but you now you've kind of developed a western more western like mentality like what's mm. how are you navigating it when it comes to I family? think one of the very key points is to be always empathetic um you can't tell your chinese mom that hey mom um you know i'm i'm just not going to get married i'm just not going to have baby yeah just to be empathetic like try to understand them but not to not to always stand up against them but trying to like tell them uh why you decided to take this decision like why i decided to come to myanmar is not because i want to leave you behind cuz chinese mom always worry about that like <laughs> Um, it's not because of that. It's more like I want a lot of breakthrough within myself that I couldn't see. Uh, I I couldn't really make it in in my home city. Yeah, it's kind of personal, like you know. But just to tell them why you make this decision is not is is more personal. It's it's most of the time like you just seek for this kind of personal growth. And I think if your parents they love you, they will understand. But even they don't like throughout the time they will slowly understand it's just a lot of decision you have to take by yourself then i think your parents they have experienced actually the same thing it's interesting that i have never asked my mom what's her first job because my mom um she is um working for um like she's more like a customer service staff at a local company but i didn't realize that actually she used to work as a teller and she used to work for like so many different jobs that i couldn't imagine so when she was young actually she always loved to experiment a lot of many different stuff well so i think if you try to explain your decision and put her story into the context mm-hmm. then it makes everything easier like see you you used to be adventurous and i'm just you know inheriting inheriting your adventurous spirit so that's a really good thing right <laughs> just but in different format <laughs> i think it's all about like relatability as well and uh, yeah like what you mentioned yeah. going your sentiments it's not that we're going against our family values or we're like you know fighting against what our family like the, the culture around like our family but it's more of like I want to focus on myself and develop myself and I'm not leaving the family behind or I'm not disappointed for you to be in Myanmar as well. What have you learned about yourself while you're in this mm, That's a really good question. <laughs> Because like when it comes to the beginning of new year um there are a lot of people always doing this new year resolution in the past year what i have done uh, most of the times that i was right okay um work out more read more books do more yoga meditation all of this like fancy stuff that you put on this um resolution list but you realize in the end of the year that you have made like you didn't actually make any progress but this year i think about myself like what actually i learned here and um you know it's not something very physical actually i realized that in many of the times that when i'm trying to make decision about a lot of things like relationship work and my future was ever i always look look for the answer from the external world like I always ask my friend oh what do you think about this and this friend said yes go ahead and another friend said no like don't do that and then I always look for their answer maybe affirmation or maybe there are other psychological factors behind it i i don't know but i realized that i should actually listen to myself like there are so many things, you know like i i'm just asking them answer 
mm-hmm. to help me to make decision of my own life. And that's doesn't sound right. Because um, yeah, because growing up, I always listened to or, or I always relied on other people's opinion. I, I don't have, you know, like a textbook answer to follow. <laughs> <laughs> so I always look for this answer from the other people. And as I grow up, as I become much more mature, I realized that I already have that capability, have that wisdom to to make decision on myself. That, you know, it's not that you should ignore their input, but it's more about listen to your heart. Like, what do you really, really want? They Actually, in most of the time that I make decision, I already have that answer. Mm-hmm. And I eventually, I always follow my own answer, even wasting so much time asking for my friend's opinion. But mm-hmm. I already have that. Like, why, why should I bother? Right. So that's one thing that I think I have learned quite a lot and I should keep following this kind of like philosophy in, in the near future. We tend to seek validation or affirmation from other people. Now, yeah. But it just makes us more confused in some ways. Right. Because like, yeah. like if I were to ask, like, like, you know, she's in accounting and she likes stability. And then I'm like, oh, should I, you know, should I like, <laughs> right? And then she'll be like, of course you should. But then I'm like, oh, but I want to go travel. So yeah, it's very different views. Usually this kind of dilemma is much more interesting when it comes to like relationship question, right? Like, mm-hmm. should I, should I keep chasing this guy? No, you shouldn't. Should I, uh, then what should I do? You know, <laughs> but your heart is telling you to stay away. And then like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and later you realize that's a, that's actually the, the key. So yeah, it's, it's always funny of how different um, situation actually end up. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I think, no, I think that's awesome. And um, kind of to, I mean, not, we're not going to dig into like, you know, uh, dating in Myanmar, but I think I want to know more about your life in Myanmar. <laughs> so like right now, like what's the landscape like? Like, do you, do you know a lot of expats there? Are you kind of like the only, only expat there? Like, you know, where are you sitting? Can you describe your environment right now? Just so that our listeners can get a sense of what it's like. It's kind of not easy to answer this question because um, I think, everybody has their own choice of life like you know like there is always there are always a lot of different communities that they can participate they can involve get involved but you know everybody just have their own choice but when it comes to Yangon um so Yangon I think is one of the is isn't it the biggest I'm not sure but it's quite an important commercial city in Myanmar so there is actually I wouldn't say it's big it's actually quite small because I have known quite a lot of people here already so there is like several very uh, small um, expat community where a lot of people, yeah, they try to um, be part of it. So, you know, they can always share some um, information, for example, about it could be as small as, you know, getting a small a re- restaurants that everybody likes mm-hmm. or some life tips, how to fix your visa, how to do, yeah, like a lot of small things, you know, so it's more like an information exchange community that you can always find people that share similar culture with you. But outside that expect bubble, I would say they're actually like Burmese people. <laughs> but, so a lot of people, it's, it's actually really hard to say, but for the rest, I mean, they also hang out with uh, Burmese people. So that's basically how it is. I don't have a lot of Burmese friends, but I do have some that I have accumulated throughout my work. So it's interesting because they're all really uh, nice and they're all really knowledgeable. And most of them work in the startup ecosystem. <laughs> 
So they helped me a lot, actually. And apart from that, I also hang out with some of my foreigner friends, and they are also really nice. Like a lot of them actually have stayed here for three to five years. Oh wow! And yeah, and it's funny that whenever we meet like new foreigners in Hong Kong, we always ask them like similar question: How long have you been here? Why do you come to Myanmar? And what makes you stay? Like this, are the for the three most cliche questions that we will ask everybody. And it's interesting that I found out a lot of people decided to stay because they found out that this city, this country, is so comfortable, mm-hmm. and it's so chill and very unique on its own um, as well. Because Myanmar has a mix of like different um, ethnicity and ethnic minorities as well. So. This is actually a quite inclusive um, society, but of course there are other um, issues. But this is quite an inclusive um, society. For example, when you go to like Burmese tea shop, I would say you can order food, Chinese food, Burmese food, and also Indian food, mm. and it's sometimes Thai food, but more like a Burmese version of um, Thai food. <laughs> you know, like this is the kind of restaurant that you wouldn't find it. In other places in this world, so it's really unique. Well, the first thing that that I see when I first arrived in Yangon is that mm-hmm. a lot of people they love to wear tanaka, What's tanaka? which is um, their natural. I don't know how to explain it like um, exactly, but it's more like um, it's something that from a tree. And then they grind it and make it become something like a, a cream, and they put it on the face, ah. so as to 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 block, you know, they, so they won't get sunburned. So it's more like a sunscreen, natural sunscreen. Yeah, so it's really interesting. I try to apply it on my own face as well, but it's not really like cream that is really watery and soft and. Yeah, but it's more like because because the tanaka will 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 dry on your face, mm-hmm. so it's more like a layer that you put it and then it blocks your face to contacting from the sun. So it's quite you know a lot of this kind of small interesting things that you start to realize. Wow, this is a really interesting place that people won't get to see if you are outside Myanmar. Like there are many other stories about the conflicts here and a lot of other stuff. I mean conflict. Yes, it exists, but interestingly, it doesn't actually occupy most people's life. Like they read it on newspaper and and and, and that's all. So, but I think it's the comments that I made are really like my personal um, comments that I have to say. I also live in a certain kind of like expat bubble. Mm-hmm. That I think if I like, I mean, once the COVID lockdown is lifted, I will love to explore even more. Like in. Many other places in Myanmar, because Myanmar is actually a really diverse place. It in in different um, stage or in different township, there are different cultures, which could look completely different when you compare it with like the main city, like Yangon or Mandalay. I think the media tends to skew like what it actually is, right? When I like when I when I do think of Myanmar, I think everything I read is always about like, the conflict happening. But then for you, I mean, when I met you, I was like, oh, that's so amazing, right? Because you're in Myanmar, you're kind of like my this peek into this life that I probably never would have been able to. <laughs> yeah, and you're like on the ground. You're a tech reporter. You're a journalist, and it's incredible because you're bringing so much insight from like a world that many of us probably don't really understand or may not be able to go to. 
what are, I guess, other like preconceived notions that people think of Myanmar, like besides like conflict? What what really surprised you? I think it's just very generalist style. You know, like this country is poor mm. and people are not that well educated, but this uh, or like stereotype of country that are not uh, economically developed. But what I found really, really, really interesting here is that actually in Myanmar, there are much more possibility to use technology to reinvent, to reinvent life. Like technology could actually reinvent it in some way that could help the majority of the people. Because when I was working um, for some of my articles, especially on FinTech, it's really shocked for me that to know that actually majority of the people, they don't have a bank account. But in Hong Kong, everybody has a bank account. Who will think you, you it's really unthinkable in the, in the very beginning. But later I realized that actually it could be a good thing because without the bank, there are actually much more fintech possibility, you know? Mm. What about we can just skip the bank? Like, what about we just skip the credit card? We just go straight into mobile. We just use mobile, the fintech channel, mm. as same our credit card and the same as our bank account. This is the possibility that could happen here, but mm. it couldn't happen in, in, in countries, in cities like Hong Kong or, you know, Singapore. It's really hard for this kind of things to happen in well-developed countries or cities. But here, fintech could means a lot to them. Like they can receive support from the government through their mobile wallet that is not associated with their bank account. So there are a lot of possibilities of how technology could transform this society. But at the same time, just because it's not that developed, trust is also another issue. So it's really interesting to how to see how these things will roll out by itself. You know, like how they balance the trust issue, how they overcome their regulatory hurdles and many other infrastructures um, challenges and to use technology to really help the people is a really, really interesting story. Yeah, I, I would say from what I know, I feel like Singapore is actually quite developed, but emerging markets, when we think of emerging markets in Southeast Asia, it's normally like Indonesia or like Vietnam, but then I think Myanmar is kind of like an untouched space. Uh, at least like from what I've seen, but I mean, would you mm-hmm. see that a lot of people are going there, right? Because there are there are startups that can provide solutions for like issues in Myanmar. But, you know, are, have you seen people coming to Myanmar, starting uh, starting innovative initiatives around, I guess, like the startup hub? Mm-hmm. Like, like, what are you seeing there? I think from what I see, there are quite a lot of foreigners, I would say, actually trying to bring a lot of innovation um, to Myanmar. But in some of the time, they really lack that kind of cultural knowledge, um, which is very, very important in in this country or many other um, Southeast Asia countries. But even though there are already a lot of initiatives, I I couldn't really name any of them like for now, but there are like several um, initiatives already, but they're not enough. There should be more and more and more. Because so previously, I I have written some articles on EdTech and esports, you know, this kind of industry that actually experienced so many growth mm-hmm. all over the world um, at, at because of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. This are kind of, this are industry that are always they always lack the fundings. Like investor don't are not really interested to look at this kind of industry in Myanmar. So I think for many of this kind of tech-related industry, it deserves much more attention because if this ad tech solution works for Myanmar, it has 
much more potential to work for a country that are sharing a similar socioeconomic uh, landscape. Mm-hmm. So the potential is actually really big, but mm-hmm. people wouldn't think in this way, right? Because a lot of investors, they are not that patient. They, there is a certain lifespan in their fund or whatever. If you manage to become that kind of patient investor in Myanmar and you manage to go for all these cultural, social, economical hurt- hurdles, then there's nothing you should be afraid of. Like, it means that you, it, you have a, so, many, so much potential to unlock in many other countries um, in the world. So this kind of perspective is also adventurous, actually, <laughs> to invest in a country that, you know, conflict ridden, that is um, risky from the point of view. But if they really make it, then um, it's, it will be another story. I remember um, the, the very first interview that I, I did here, Mm-hmm. So I talked to one um, investment manager at a local tech hub. Mm-hmm. I, I can still remember like clearly what he told me in the end. Um, he told me that um, if um, a startup founder or a investor, you know, can really make their solution work out in Myanmar, mm-hmm. like they have nothing to afraid of because to go through all these challenges means that they're very resilient. Mm-hmm. So that says a lot. I think, uh, like how this country, yeah, like, like, um, like how attractive actually this investment landscape is, or this tech ecosystem is, but you just need to be brave, <laughs> adventurous, <laughs> yeah. and better have some money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything that I knew about Myanmar has been kind of completely changed by what you're saying. And, you know, hopefully in the future when COVID has kind of slowed down, um, I like, I personally would love to visit you and Myanmar too. Yeah, Yeah, please. (laughs) I I, I think it's just, I mean, I haven't really traveled Southeast Asia in general, but uh, Myanmar would definitely, yeah, I want to go see and visit. Um, When, uh, when do you, when do you come to Singapore actually? Yeah, I came um, at the, the beginning of last year so in around January oh oh wow okay (laughs) uh, yeah I've personally not been to like Vietnam Thailand Myanmar like like, I've only been to Indonesia and Singapore in Southeast Asia that's it (laughs) so really okay then you should definitely go to Myanmar (laughs) yeah I think it's just an untapped place to explore and adventure and also I'm just curious curious about yeah maybe I will pay you a visit there (laughs) oh actually I'm curious to know are people traveling to Myanmar still like are they able to come and visit or has it been closed down because of COVID um, I think if you are somebody work for like um, international nonprofit organization, then there are still some flights or if you're a businessman, you know, but outside, I think it's kind of still kind of hard to really travel to Myanmar. It might take some more time. So for you too, because there was a, there was one flight that went back home. So how, how would you go home if you needed to, or could you even? <laughs> um, so actually met a lot of things happen after that after that last flight because um so we have like from hong kong to myanmar um i can either take um dragon um dragon airline so it's like a it's like a brand part of the cafe pacific okay but they just shut down because of covid so literally for now i don't have any flights to go back home but they will organize some uh, relief flights like from time to time but 
is much less frequent than uh, relief flights to Singapore. For now, I literally cannot go back home. <laughs> yeah, you kind of remind me of myself like last year as well in Singapore. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Like, That's why. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember I kept getting emails from U.S. Embassy from Singapore and they're like, there are only two flights left. And then I was like, there is only one flight left. And then I was like, should I stay here? And I was like, okay, I'll just stay here. And then I didn't have a job yet. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we were having a similar story. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is funny because I was like, I was like, I knew that you had stayed in Myanmar, but I didn't know like the full extent of everything that happened, which is incredible. It's, it takes a lot of gumption and courage. My parents, they, they're just like, do whatever you want. Like that's their mentality because they, <laughs> they just cannot control me anymore. <laughs> right. So that's how it, how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for you, it's, yeah, it, it takes a lot of gumption. And I guess for people who are listening in, who need that gumption or who just want to be a little bit more courageous when it comes to decision making or leading that part of their life, like what advice would you give to them? I think for me, just to follow your heart. <laughs> it's so cliche, but follow your heart and always don't be afraid of adventure. Don't be afraid of new things because the changes that the transformation that it could bring you is much more than that. It's much more than you think. And I know it's always hard to like step out of comfort zone because for example, in Myanmar, a new culture, new city, like I don't, I don't know much about this country actually before coming here, but the culture, all these things that slowly accumulate by itself, it actually means a lot. I think in my future life, you know, like in the future, I would be much more, much more risky. I, I can take a lot of risk when I make new decision about my life. Like why not? <laughs> life is short. Yeah. Right. So that's wonderful. Thank you. Like, seriously, I appreciate you taking the time to like do this with me on a Saturday evening. (laughs) No, it's it's a really good chance. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Again, thank you so much for your time. And I will definitely be releasing this um, in a couple of weeks. But other than that, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you a lot as well. Bye, Steph. Bye.